the way the podcast typically starts is there's a like a song intro and then I'll introduce you and then introduction yeah dumps right into like mid conversation kind of thing so yeah I listened to it before oh right on welcome to creative ops podcast for creative people Hello, everyone. I am Christopher Talon, author of the amazing novel Switchers that you should buy, the composer of all the music you hear on the show, except for the end credits there. That's uh, Kirk Ross, my buddy. And uh, before I get into what we got for you today, which is the first of a two-parter, listen to this other podcast real quick that uh, I'd appreciate you taking a check uh, check out. Check, just listen. Fuck. Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Jason, and we're the hosts of the Threads podcast, Life Unfiltered. And we are on a mission to rid the world of Facebook fake, Instagram ickies, and Twitter takes. And we do this through unfiltered dialogue about faith, mental health, and uncomfortable conversations. And sometimes we talk about really deep and serious topics. And sometimes we talk about stupid stuff and make jokes and talk about our lifelong goal of being great at fitness. But no matter what, we are unfiltered as we talk. So we hope that you join us on the job. All right. So check out Threads Podcast Life Unfiltered. Today, I'm here to talk to you about part one of a two-parter I've got with author Mike Salt. He's an author. He's from Oregon. He's got a couple of kids like me. We both got the, <laughs> the same number of kids, one shy of a, starting a full basketball team. And he writes some fantastic horror. So if you're into horror, if you're into fiction, if you're just into listening to cool, creative people, he's all the above. So, folks, get ready for Mike Salt and some insights into how to write, how to promote, how to market, all those kinds of things from a guy who's uh, doing a good job of it. All right. Without further ado... Here's Mike Salt. You had reached out to me like fairly early on into this podcast and it's almost on its third birthday here. And you're like, <laughs> hey, man, uh, if you ever want to talk talk about writing sometime and i was like yeah let's do that but that was right at the same like the first month where i used to just spray and be like let me ask like 15 people if they'll be on my podcast and maybe two or three would say yes and then yeah. right at that moment was when it, all of a sudden i started asking people and like all of them started saying yes and i was like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> and then hey, that's never bad right I mean, yeah, it's never bad, but then I felt like a dick because there were several people I was like, hey, you want to be on my podcast sometime, you being one of them, and then I like had no follow-up after that. Well, um, then you reached out, you did reach out to me like in October or something. Yeah. And um, I, we just never were able to connect. I lost track of the message and all that stuff. It wasn't until I was watching that live where I was like, that's right, we were talking about it. That's the guy. So, yeah, <laughs> we're doing, we're going to do that. Yeah. So... Glad to glad to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Um, Marcella also recommended you too. So when uh, 
when a when a friend and a talented writer recommends somebody, I was like, I really should reach out to that guy then. Yeah, I mean, we we've been on a couple uh, lives together, and it's just usually a, us talking shit to each other. So that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's good at that. He he can take it and give it. What? Uh, let's just get into it, man. When did you start writing? When was uh, when did you actually start putting pen to paper going, I'm going to write a story beginning, middle and end? You know, um, the first time was a freaking fifth grade. Uh, we were giving these little, you know, faux laptops in our, our class and everybody was just BSing her with it. And I had a classmate who wrote maybe like a, you know, a 10 page book. And it was like a, a book with a horror book, right? Yeah. And he got a lot of attention from kids in the class. And they thought, everyone <laughs> thought it was so cool. And I was like, oh, I would, I kind of want that attention. So I remember I completely just ripped him off. I just did the exact same story threads. I just wrote my own <laughs> version of it. And nobody cared. Like it was, it was, you know, it was just a blip on the radar and everybody kind of moved on from it because we were in fifth grade and we had the attention span of a fifth grader. Yeah. But, um, I don't know something about that was kind of it was fun you know i never it was a werewolf story i don't even care about werewolves so it was kind of funny what it was but um <laughs> i started creating um you know i joined i played music and i was really into comic books and uh after college i took an internship with a, a indie publisher for comic books uh -huh. and uh i was really i was thinking that's what i was going to do i was going to write comic books um you know, I, I played around in the indie market for a couple of years and it just, I, I, there was, I met some awesome artists, some very talented people, but it, it sucked because, you know, I was 22 or so and I didn't have money to pay for a good artist. Yeah. So my artists roll back in like, Hey, once we get this published, you know, we'll split the, whatever royalties we get, you know? Mm. And, uh, whenever I got like a really talented artist, it wasn't long and like, cause it took, it took a while to actually, you know, get a graphic novel drawn. Yeah. I would eventually get a message from these guys saying, Hey, I like what we're doing, but I just got a paying gig with, you know, drawing, you know, Star Trek or something. And like, it was always like, yeah, of course, like leave what we're doing because that's a good gig. Like go take that, you know? And I, yeah, I when like someone the can pay their are, bills with one job. You're like, man, how, how can you say, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Like, yeah. I know we, like we always had like a small contract, but it was always kind of like, you know, like, the reality of it was like, it was just, of course, go, go try to start your, and some of them have had really good careers and it's been fun. And I still connected them. Um, but after like the fourth to fifth time that happened to me, I was like, I need to kind of have this in my own hands, you know, mm. you know, I can't, I can't write, uh, comic books. I can't write it and then just leave it. I just, that's all I can do. I just will hope that it gets created. So I started to start writing a novella and, uh, that was like 20 set, like a like 20, 2015 when I first decided to start writing. And it took about three years to finish my first book because yeah. it's not, you know, it's not what everybody thinks it is. It's not it takes dedication. It takes, you know, changing your routine and. And figuring out how to do it. Cause I mean, like if you know how to write, you know how to write, but actually sitting down and writing a long story takes time and it takes 
following certain paths and then going, mm, maybe not going back a little bit and starting over again. Yeah. yeah. And it just, you, you know, you find your routine, but you don't find that in the first book for a while. And like my son was maybe five, um, my oldest. And uh, it was hard being like, trying to be like a full-time father, a single father at that. And, mm. you know, trying to ju- uh, juggle, putting him to, you know, just bathing him, putting him to bed. You know, yeah. he was with me at all times. I didn't have, he didn't have a, any place else to go. Um, it wasn't like he was at his mom's every other weekend or something for him to get, kind of get pushed aside. Yeah. Um, and which would, you know, give me time to do my own thing. But it was, it wasn't like that. It was just me at all times with him and my, uh, my youngest, which was, he would have been, she would have been like one, uh, one and a half. So by the time we actually put him down to bed and like, I finally got time to myself, it was like, do I want to spend my free time now writing for the next hour? Mm. and uh you know sometimes the answer was no sometimes it was like i need to just you know exist for a moment you know not use that that brain space for writing so it took a long time to get that first book done it actually wasn't until i met my wife where i actually could you know i could actually juggle that and manage it you know it was, it was having a support structure i didn't have before really freed me up to actually create you know yeah yeah i think my wife and my um little dedication in the beginning of my book because same reason i've been like yeah i'm gonna write a book someday i'm gonna write a book someday and then when uh i stopped teaching and became a stay-at-home dad she was the one that like held my feet to the fire I was like well, well, you start writing. Writing. i was like okay and then you always said you're going to yeah yeah a couple of weeks into it she's like how you how, how you doing with that? that uh you know she's like we'll, we'll get, get to it, it. I was like, oh, oh yeah okay. <laughs> get, get moving man <laughs> You probably get this a lot you know as soon as you have your first book published then every everybody you know will be hitting you up and asking you how do i write and like you know <laughs> how do i do it what do i do and it's like well i mean you just do it like yeah i mean it, it sounds stupid but like the, the story in your head is just in your head like i know so many people that have hit, i've so many people have hit me up just asking what they need to do and it's like it's very simple like don't worry about the steps afterwards just worry about writing it right now. Like if it's in your head, put it down on paper, man. Like get it out, get it out there. Cause nothing is going to happen after that. And you shouldn't be worried about what happens afterwards. Just get it created already, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's where a lot of people are. That's where I was for a long time talking about this awesome book I'm going to write. And it took me three years to write it. Like I was a lot of, it was a lot of talk. Like a lot of people heard me talk about the story a billion times, you know, and it almost felt like it was never going to happen. And now after I released that first book, it was, okay, well, I can do that. So let's do it again. And then, you know, four books later, like it, it gets easier, you know, and people don't, people need to realize that the first one's hard. It takes time, but it gets easier. Well, somebody, I was, um, I was talking to a couple of comedians actually. And one of them said, Hey man, now that you've got, uh, now you've got that first book out, people know who you are a little bit. How has your life gotten harder? And I thought, Oh, that's an interesting question. And, <laughs> yeah, right. And and my first thought was, well, now I've got people who never cared what I was doing before that are like going, hey, what are you going to do next? Can't wait to see what you got next. And now I've got a little bit of that like, man, what if I pique somebody's interest? And then this next book, they're like, oh, fuck this guy. This sucks. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> that's a daunting like feeling like knowing like well, the people that I haven't talked to in like 15 years hit me up and say, hey, I picked up your book. And it's like, 
great. And they're like, can we pick up your next one? I'm like, I hope you have the same response as the next one. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, there's always now there's a buildup, so it kind of sucks, but it's also it's fun. But yeah, yeah, it's a weird adjustment. You got to dig into that same uh, same confidence, whether it's real or or imagined. Yeah. That, that led you to just putting that first one out in the first place. That confidence that you had when you first started, and it's just insane, like how blind I was when I was writing it. Yeah. You know, just throwing things at the wall. Had no idea how structure works. No idea how like how third acts and how like pacing and dialogue everything was so jilted that first book that i took me three years to write i've still never released oh really it's just it's sitting on my hard drive um it got picked up by ink shares publishing uh and then after like a year and a half of working with the publisher i left and the freaking publisher uh he in in the the emails i as i left his response is basically like, well, good luck without us. You know, you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to do shit without us. And so I've not released the book because I'm waiting for my career, hopefully to be at a point where I release it to be a big middle finger to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want it. Like, I'm not going to release it when I have, you know, the sales that I had three years ago when I left, you know, but like that would have been him just winning. So I'm just sitting on it. Um, Okay, Maybe well, someday. That's interesting because I was gonna say, like, is it just one of those things where you're like, this is how I figured out what I was doing, but this isn't something that I want to put out, or you know, that that would have been my question if it was something you did plan to come back to. I've grown as an author, and I know that I want to release it, but it's going to take a free, it's going to take a complete rehaul of the book, you know. Yeah. So it just sits there on my hard drive. I, I like the idea of it. It actually ties into all the books that I write right now. It's part of the series. It just it's doesn't exist yet. I was talking with um, two specifically uh, small publishers, and one of them was kind of leaning towards publishing my book, but I didn't didn't really like the terms that they had, and they were like, "Well, it's not negotiable. Yeah. You're, you're nobody," <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing, you know. So I was doing the podcast, met guys like Josh and a few other writers, and um, they were kind of like, "Hey, man, you've already got you've already got this engine that uh, is reaching out to people, yeah, and you Momentum, know people like yeah. us now, and we can help you." So I kind of maybe a little too naively and too fearlessly just jumped into self-publishing, but um, it's a beast, man. Yeah, yeah, I, but I couldn't have done it without without having the knowledge that uh, other authors shared with me through this. <laughs> But uh, yeah, what yeah. was uh, what was kind of like your guide when you were decided, you know, I want to do this for real? Did you just start reading? Did you have friends? Well, I mean, I know you said that you knew people in comic publishing, but that's that's different. It's a what, different beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I was picked up with Ink Shares, my wife and I were talking about like, how how do you make this into a career? And I was kind of like, after doing research, it's kind of like, well, you have a back catalog, like. Yeah, I hope maybe you're like you're lucky enough that one book is successful and you can, can that will start your career. But in all reality, the back catalog would sell. Somebody likes, you know, this book, so they go back to your Amazon account and they buy your last three books because they yeah. liked what you wrote. You know, I've done that many times. You know, so uh, I was like, I need to get started on back catalog. So at the time, the publisher was talking about a release in 2021. So I'm like, okay, I can I could pump out a book or two by 2021. So let's get going. You know. I yeah. want to self-publish those, um, just get a back catalog out. So I wrote my second 
the the follow-up a novella well, hold on a second before you uh, get to that i feel like you're probably skipping over a lot of the parts where you said that you were doing <laughs> research like did you spend, oh, yeah. <laughs> did you just look at one website and go oh that's what i need to do or did you spend like hours kind of looking at stuff here looking at stuff here listening to interviews there i was trying to figure you know like i said the research was basically like how do i become successful my you know everybody's idea of what success is looks different you know some people yeah. are like i want to replace my income some people are like i want to surpass my income some people are like if i can pay a power bill you know that's success and some people uh, just are happy to see their book up in a local independent yeah, if, bookstore too just one, or one hold, book on just holding your book hold, you know the, the, the feeling of holding your book to yeah. some isn't is, is enough to say that i did it you know yeah and so i kind of had to figure out what, what I consider a success, you know, mm. and realistically, my wife has always been a, a dreamer. My wife is very, she's motivated. She's always talking about like goals and aspirations. And so she set up like, what's your one-year goal? What's your five-year goal? What's your 10-year goal? And how do we make this shit happen? You know? Mm. Um, so the research was really like, okay, well, here's my goal. Is it a realistic goal? I don't know. So I did research to try to figure it out. I watched you know, we're talking about like 2017, 2018, you know, so I watched mm -hmm. a billion YouTube videos mm -hmm. and, you know, and I figured out like my marketing strategy and, you know, uh, I watched, I read everything I could read and it was just, everything contradicts itself. You know, like everybody has, it's all about opinions, really. There's yeah. no science to it. Yeah. So it took a, a video and it was a video from somebody on YouTube. I don't remember who it was, but I remember actually watching it and, uh, there was very little views on it. Uh, you know, the like button has only been smashed like, you know, 50 times, you know, Bruh. and I was, I was going to be like, I was going to move on from the video. I was kind of scrolling through what the recommended videos were based off it, you know, mm -hmm. and the video, the girl in the video was kind of like talking about her experience. And she's like, you know, talking about what she considered to be her success and like what she, and I was like, it resonated where like, Oh yeah, people, they all have their own versions of their success. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be like a, a, a New York Times bestseller to be successful, you know? So, yeah. and then it just kind of, it changed my outlook on it. And uh, then I just kind of then started researching self-publishing, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't, I knew that with ink share releasing the, the other book that it was going to take a while if I go to another publisher and I want to get these books out. So let's just self-publish. So then I did the research on self-publishing and uh, naively just jumped into it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I learned a lot, and you know, I wouldn't change it, especially now that uh, I have a publisher now re-releasing my previous books. Yeah, you know, the stuff that I self-published are now, are now getting new covers. They have gorgeous edits done. They have a marketing strategy. They're going to be in Barnes and Noble, blah blah blah, and they're getting a life that I wasn't able to give them. Yeah, but like it's a. It's fun. I'm really excited for this year. There's going to be a lot of movement. Um, and, you know, Damn to Hell was the book that I started and it, it just sat there, you know, like a lot of people that publish for the first time, you know, especially those that kind of jump into it, like I did, like it just, you, you're lucky if you sell two or three books, yeah. you know, remember like, did you, sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. But I'm going to. <laughs> um did do you or did you with the the first book that you put out do a lot of in-person sales like trying to go to book selling events or just get out with a stack of books where you could and sell them to people face to face or were you doing like a mostly e-marketing yeah so um 
when I the Inkshare contest that I keep referring to that uh, gave me the publishing contract. Yeah, it was more or less who could sell the most books, right? Mm. It is a, it was I don't want to say a popularity contest, but it really was like a who can I convince of my friends to go buy a book? You had to sell the most books, and it had to be at least I can't remember the number of books. You had to sell at least a, 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 this much books, and you had to sell the most books. Otherwise, you don't get the contract, right? Yeah. Um, in the top three, we're going to get a publishing contract. And uh, my wife is a marketing guru, as I've, I've said. So in, she was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create your image and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And this is how we're going to sell the books. And um, I kind of laughed at it because I was already a month late for the contest when I entered. Yeah. Um, it started in October. I entered mid-November. But, you know, she was persistent and I just did it on Facebook, you know, with my friends. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I realized I was closing in on like top five in sales, then I'm like, I, well, this is actually feasible. I can actually do this. Yeah. So then I literally messaged every single friend in my Facebook, like people that I haven't talked to in years or a friend that I met through a friend that I met that one night, you know, I hit up every single person and sent them a very nice and professional message saying, Hey, it'd be really cool. I mean, if you, you can't a share would be great, you know, and somehow that worked. So I ended up winning based on just people I knew. Right. Um, I didn't have an Instagram following. I had like 300 followers on Instagram. So Facebook made the most sense at the time, but to answer your actual question, when damn to hell came out, I kind of just bought it and just sold it out of the trunk of my car. Yeah. You know, like, so Amazon sales were nothing because it was all the stuff that I actually purchased. You know, anybody that bought the previous book, I said, you know, I'll give you a free ebook, you know, as a thank you. And if you want a physical copy, I'm selling them basically at cost, you know, it cost me like three or $4 to print and you can have it for five, you know, yeah, you know, at their shipping. So I did that for a while and I felt good about it, you know? Um, and then I started working on my second one and yeah, I forgot entirely what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, we can switch gears anyway into more of we found out how you got into writing Yeah, <laughs> for attention. <laughs> which i mean if you really wanted attention it's maybe not the best thing to go into like stand-up comedy <laughs> right. maybe or something but um what is kind of uh your writing process uh in, in terms of getting an idea for a story and then kind of whittling that into something that's fully crafted because i'll start with just a basic idea have no idea how it's going to end Really, up until the day that I write the ending, I'm kind of going back and forth on stuff. So are you more of a like see it all in your head kind of guy or write as you go and kind of play as play as time goes on? Yeah, um, I am what is referred to as a pantser, you know, like. Like, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I won't start a story unless I have an idea of the ending. Yeah, which like I I. I I have, I generally have a twist of my ending. Um, 
and it's horror. So I don't feel like it has to have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it naturally has, I let the book write itself. And if the ending, it's happy ish, it's never happy. It's a horror. People are dead and blood yeah. and spookiness. But like, if I, if my characters survive, I consider that a happy ending. And it, it just, <laughs> if that's where the character's at, that's where it's at. Um, but I need to know how, what I'm driving to, you know? Yeah. Um, the one that I just got published by, um, picked up by dark, dark press, which is coming out later this year. Uh, I knew that it takes place in a haunted cave and it's like, you know, it's a cave and it's like a ghost. It's like a haunted house and it's a haunted cave. And I knew how I wanted the characters to get into the situation. Okay. And I knew that the ending was going to look like, like this. Right. And I just needed to navigate to that, to that actual ending. And so whatever happens along the way is just happy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, some of the stuff as I was writing it, I, I knew that I needed to kind of get back on track. So I was going to you know navigate a characters into certain situations. And then next thing I know, I'm off completely end at other opposite side of the cave. Yeah. And I had to once again, find my way back to it, but it was all kind of, it felt natural. Like it wasn't rigid. Yeah. Like I wasn't forcing them to kind of follow the path. It was just like the natural progression. Like a ghost pops out of nowhere. Well, I wasn't planning on there to be a ghost here, but now there is a ghost. So what would you do? Yeah, you would probably skedaddle. Okay, now there's a skedaddling. You know, I could go back and get rid of that ghost, but actually like the excitement of it and, you know, it changed the pacing again. And I kind of needed it to, you know, have a scary feeling again. So it just yeah. happens, you know? Um, yeah, you can kind of feel in a story when you need to goose it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, we've been we've been doing a lot of meandering, you know? There's been a lot of lore right now. Yeah. So let's spice it up a little bit. But yeah, my wife, she is always able to talk to me about my book. And uh, usually the ending with her, because she's not really into dark and sad endings, really. Yeah. Um, usually when I tell her an ending, she's like, oh, oh well, yeah, that's, that's fun. fun. I, I get, get it. it. Um, <laughs> that's but, you know, she will tell me if she doesn't like it, she'll tell me. And that happens throughout. The, I'll tell her, hey, I just wrote this. What do you think about this twist has happened? And this is the first book when I told her the ending, she just goes like, nah, nah that's, <laughs> that's too dark. That's, that's not, that's not, we're not, you should not do that. And I was like, nah, no, that, that's the reaction I'm getting from my wife who doesn't like dark endings. And that's perfect. You know, my audience really likes the dark stuff that I bring to the table. Yeah. And so she just like kept, no, I don't, I really don't, I don't think that's what your audience wants, Mike. They don't really want this. And, by the time I finished, got to the ending, to the part where I was like, make or break. Okay, I'm going to write this ending now. Um, I was like, fuck, I actually, I think she's right, actually, you know? Like, we've spent this entire book with these characters, and I am not letting the story naturally go where I thought it would. I'm, mm. I'm still forcing the ending that I wanted. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I restructured a little bit, and I found a better ending that actually still, it, it, was, it was close enough to the ending I really wanted. Yeah. And it felt to me like I wasn't sacrificing much. I still got the same ending in a, in a roundabout way, but she was right. I mean, it, it, I think it ends better than it would have. And just like all my other books previously, like if you go through all the, the reviews, it's always like people love the ending or they despise it with the passion of a thousand dying sons. I, it's it's going to be one or the other. I, I don't get a lot of reviews like, it was just down the center. That ending, I could live it or you know, take it or leave it. You know, it was either they loved it or they hated it. And so this one's I don't think it's gonna be you're any never, different. You're never gonna win that game though, because I've even heard uh, 
Stephen King say, half the people that read my book say that I don't know how to stick the ending, which is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being a fan of King. There's been a couple books I was just, I, I've also finished and went, damn it. Yeah. You know, like, like, well, I guess he got bored writing this book, you know, <laughs> which yeah. isn't the case. You know, he has, a, he, he, he's very methodical. And, you know, so like that's the ending he wanted, you know. And Ooh, uh, speaking of methodical, sorry, yeah, I got, I got to, I got to go with it. Well, it's still in my head because I have really bad ADD. Go for it. In terms of like day to day, week to week style writing, um. I know, like we said, Stephen King, very methodical. He writes every day yeah. and he tries to get seven clean pages where he'll write it out, edit it and go, okay, that's good. Seven that's pages yeah. a day, every day. Um, and then I think he said that he goes through like, he'll write basically like the first act, go over everything, write the second act, go over everything, go, write the third act and go over everything. Something to that effect. Do yeah, you yeah. have, um, do you have something nailed down that succinctly where you're like, yeah, I work this much a day or a week i try to crank out this many pages every so often i stop and you know that kind of thing so yeah i have a notepad next to me at all times uh and it is just the brain dump of important information like mm. this character is from this location this character made this reference on this page mm -hmm. so if i need to refer to something i can go back and find it but i don't ever go backwards um I kind of, I, I, I'm trying to write it fast enough that everything's still fresh in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't go backwards. Because I feel like if I go backwards, I'm going to be the kind of person that spends the next three or four days just rereading everything and just nitpicking and changing, fine-tuning details that I don't <laughs> need to do until the, dra the second draft, you know? Yeah. So I don't. I write, if I'm in a groove, like I took, I finished writing Hollow, the cave story, and september and october november december january been crazy busy um and also i was editing uh i was going through edits for damn to hell edits for the valley for the publisher and also edits for the uh, for hollow and so it was a lot of and you know between that and cover design and trying to maintain my instagram um presence it just i didn't I didn't feel the drive to go back and just work again, start writing again, you know? Mm. And also the stories that I had that I want to write are part of this series. Um, they're all damned to hell, the Valley house on Harlan and yeah. hollow are all connected. No returning characters, but they're all connected. Um, they exist together. And I didn't want to write the fifth one yet. It just, I kind of want to take a break from that universe and uh, just do something that stands by itself. And it took me a, it took me a hot minute to figure out what I wanted to write, and when I take that break from it, you know, yeah, if I was going to take this break. I wanted to make it worth it. So what did I want to actually work on? But um, yeah, my process is literally like, okay, the kids go to bed at eight thirty. I will sit on my back porch and write from eight thirty to nine thirty, at the bare minimum. Yeah. If I if I write for an hour, I want to at least have a thousand words when I'm done. Yeah. And Sometimes, you know, and are I'll you straight to, to the computer or do you write first and then computer? Oh yeah. I'm straight to the computer. I just throw on my headphones. Yeah. I start playing metal music. Um, and it just, it's just a background, you know, it's really just background noise. Um, 
because I don't pay attention. It's just zoning out, you know, and just getting in the zone and just uh, going for it. And then I'll write for an hour. And if I'm at a thousand words and it was like a struggle to get there for that hour, then I'll call it a night, you know. But mm-hmm. there are some nights where I'm at like 45 minutes and I'm already at 1200 words and I'm like really feeling it. So I'll just, I'm like, well, 1245 minutes. Let's see how much I get in two hours, you know? Yeah. And I'll just go. Um, yeah, that's, that's my process really just a notebook that I trust and then music and an hour a night, you know, and I try to make it consistent. Um, and what I started doing was I post on Instagram, you know, a little selfie of me writing, you know, because it holds me accountable. Yeah. You know, my followers would see that and comment on it. And, you know, they're they're they know that I'm working and I noticed people started using the same hashtag um, to kind of like, hey, look, I'm being held accountable too. It's kind of it was fun. So that's what I tend to do. That's so. that's a good healthy way to use social media as an accountability tool rather than just a, a time killer. Because half the time yeah. I'm just like sitting on the toilet looking at reels being like, oh, that's funny. I'll put that on my stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I figured out like um, with the Valley, I like I had like three thousand followers. I had gone from five hundred ish the first year with Damn to Hell, and within a year I'd probably gotten to three thousand, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, jump and I, you know, published the Valley, expecting very similar results with you know maybe I'll sell four or five copies a month, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I have. To this day, no idea what struck a chord with the valley. Like if it was the if I just did a really good cover, or if the the name, or it was just the right time when I released it. But I pressed publish, and in the first week, I had outsold everything that Damn to Hell had done the year prior uh, previously. And <laughs> I had awesome. in the book, yeah, right. Like I can't complain about it. it was, there was nothing I did. It wasn't like my Instagram was of anything of importance. Um, and I, nobody really read it, the damn to hell. So I didn't have a name with me. Um, I just got lucky. And then, you know, by a couple of weeks, I had sold a couple thousand of eBooks and, you know, a couple, you know, a couple hundred of the uh, physical copies. And then I just rode that wave for no reason. Like, I don't know what the hell it was about. And my Instagram just exploded too. Like I just watched the the followers go up and every post I would do would get more and more likes. And it was just like, Oh, this is how I'm doing this now. Like I have to shift my focus from in person to Instagram. And, you know, I would say 90% of my sales now are off Instagram posts. No shit. That's amazing. Because most people I talk to have the same experience that I do where they find Instagram to be the lowest crossover as far as getting somebody to leave the app to go look at your website or your book or your whatever. Yeah, I um I do I have a I have a pattern with my Instagram. Um and it it is kind of shown to that like that that's how I'm getting my sales in particular. And so it doesn't work for everybody. And I have people actually hit me up and ask how like how to navigate Instagram. And I my response is like here's what I do, but I have to also make it very clear that I don't know what the fuck I did that yeah. got me here. You didn't, you I didn't just sit there and in, read trade magazines about how to get yeah, the I, I don't, algorithm to love I, you. and Right. And I just, I just know what I'm doing now to maintain it. You yeah. know, I know that like, uh, I get a lot of reviews that are like, I followed this guy on Instagram for about a year. I, I liked his post. He was funny. 
you know, he was relatable. So I thought I'd give him a chance and I'm glad I did, or maybe I'm not glad I did, but um, I did it anyways, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a matter of like, well, eventually after they've seen enough content from me and they, they take a chance. And what I also notice is when I get a one-star review, um, which happens, you know, like, like they used to beat me up. Those one-star reviews used to keep me up for nights, man. But I noticed I got a one-star review on the Valley and it was, uh, it ripped my heart out, but I was still young enough that I thought that, you know, I could stop them from happening. Yeah. And, and, you know, in all reality, you don't stop when stars are going to happen. Yeah. So uh, I let it eat me alive for a couple days. And then my wife was kind of like, you know, like, why, why don't, don't you just use that to your advantage? You know, like, like post about it. And so I made a post. I, I shared the review and I put a gigantic description. It was like, hey, this one star review happens you know like it the review was literally like the valley i don't know why people read this it's uh i'll keep it with me when i go camping to wipe my ass or something like that you know <laughs> oh my yeah and it... <laughs> i'm sorry man like i know you said no, that, that caused you a lot of pain but that was just no, like uh, dude i thought it was i thought it was hilarious i actually used in my my next novel uh house on harlan it was dedicated to that guy it was Dedicated to that one guy that wrote about the valley. Here's some more paper for you to wipe your ass with, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I posted that review, and that one had so many comments and so many people being like, "Thank you, I needed this." You know, it's nice to know that some, I can, you know, somebody can relate to what I'm going through, and yeah. it's nice to know that, like, you know, I just was like, you know, it happens. Like, you can't let it beat you down. You have to keep writing. Not everybody's gonna like your stuff. Stay positive. You know, and that's how I really believe that like a lot of people get that one star review and they just, yeah, I'm done. You know, I can't, I can't take that. You know, I don't got thick enough skin, but it's like, no, you can, you just got to push through, you know, and not everybody's going to like your stuff. I haven't got as many reviews as you have when, when I get to that point, I'm sure I'll have more one stars, but right now I've only got one, one star review. And it was from a guy that tried to, uh, tried to, I don't know if extort money from me is the right phrase but nice, nice. basically it was a guy who was like hey you know it for 25 dollars, i can give you a five star oh, yeah. review amazon review one of the and i was like no thanks and he was like come on it would be really good for you and i was like no thanks and he like three or four times and then finally i was just like hey man i'm getting ready to go on tv in a minute i'm focusing on that which was the honest truth i wasn't trying to be a big time yeah you had that review yeah i got that so, you got so, that interview so I said that, and then he, he replies, oh, I see. And then he gives me one-star reviews on everything. He says, this book was a waste of time. <laughs> well, well, I mean, 25 bucks, that wouldn't have happened to you. I know, right? <laughs> 25 Dude, bucks. I then had, I would, 15 other people for, in the day trying to do the same thing oh, to yeah. me if I did. If I, all the other writers I were like, hey, man, those, man, screenshot that, take pictures of it, post about it, call this guy out, and don't let him do this here. I was like, oh, okay. And I followed that formula, and he hasn't bothered me since and nobody else has since either well maybe i should because i get tired of those messages but here's the <laughs> thing like a, a one-star review a two-star review like you don't want to have your amazon have only five-star reviews yeah because it's like you oh know? look all of his friends and family got on here exactly all his fans and family bought a copy and they were like you want to have those real reviews yeah you know the verified one that's kind of says in the description like i don't know this man or woman but i'm happy i took a chance you know 
Yeah. So you want that, that, that helps the, you know, the engine, it helps it move. I've had several people tell me that whether you're writing a book or you have a podcast or a YouTube channel, whatever, get everyone you know involved and start there. And I completely ignored that advice. And like for the first eight months of my podcast, I was getting like maybe a dozen downloads a month. You know what I mean? But then over time, people saw, like you said, a back catalog commitment, somebody showing yep. up every day, getting better at it. And, you know, it's it, it's grown. But um yeah, are you kind of a all around like start small, grassroots, let it build, or would you tell somebody, yeah, man, try to get your cousins and all your friends and people at work to to buy it and read it and review it? Yeah, I guess it all comes back to what you're what you're trying to accomplish, what your goals are. You know, like uh, honestly, if you're one of those guys that are just like, I want to see my book at the local bookstore. Mm. You know, I don't care if anybody that I don't know doesn't read it, but I want to have it out there, like that then your goal should be like just letting you know hitting up a friend during you know on facebook and just saying hey this book's out if you, you might be interested in it or uh just sharing it to your friends or like i've given copies i had i used to have a, you know books in my trunk and if somebody and i had struck out a conversation at a store and i'd be like you know oh yeah you write blah 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 and they said they write and they just like there's obviously a connection i'm like hey do you want a copy of my book you know i'll give it to you like i don't give a shit so I'd go back there, hand them a, you know, an autograph it, give them a copy. And then, but that's where it was. But at this point, you know, there's some people that, you know, it, they need, they don't, they have bigger aspirations. And like, at that point, you know, you might want to have a marketing strategy that you might want to talk to marketing consultants about how to get this book out there. You know, um, if you have the funds and you have the desire, then I guess go for it. Not all of us can though, you know, and it takes yeah. the grassroots and, you know, fighting. Like I said, I started in, the Instagram stuff really started for me in 2019 ish. And it's been, I have to be consistent. I have to be funny. I have to be relatable and I have to be honest, you know, like that's what people kind of want from me. And I have to be always able to talk to somebody, you know, and not everybody can do that. Not everybody wants that. You know, some people yeah. don't want to have people digging into their Instagram life, you know? So, and if you don't want that, then, you know, you have to find your own way, you yeah. know, it just worked for me. That's one thing that I'm trying to kind of work on right now with my Instagram specifically is keeping a, a balance between like, this is me, this is what I do and please look into it. But then also just like, this is just, you know, me chilling on the couch or <laughs> you right. know, like Marcella will post a picture of him with his cat and he'll get a hundred likes. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, he's created like a, a following an audience. It's kind of like he, that relates to him as a person, not, yeah. not just an author, but as a person, like if I post a selfie of me writing in front of my computer, I know that here's the engagement I'm going to get. It's very consistent. If I post a selfie with me and my child, I will get a different engagement and different people will be commenting on it. If yeah. I post a picture of me reviewing a book you know, it's, it's very consistent. And I kind of know what to go into, but then something happens, like I'll post a tweet from something that I posted, you know, on on Twitter, I'll take a screenshot, post it on Instagram, and that one all of a sudden will get 20,000 likes. And, 
you know, blow it, everything out, all my expectations out of water for it. And it's funny because the ones that I put on Twitter, I'm like, this is gold, man. This is going to be, this one is going <laughs> to get a couple thousand likes. I'll get like 200. And then the one that I'm like, oh shit, I need to post something today. Okay. No thought into it. I'll just post it. And those are the ones that hit the 80,000 or the 20,000 <laughs> likes. And I don't know, I don't understand it. Yeah. Like, those are the ones that I was just like, okay, I'm throwing to the wall and see what happens. And uh, as it keeps getting likes, I was kind of like, the fuck did I do there? How do I re-harness this? Like, <laughs> how do I do this again? Yeah. But you just can't replicate it. It just happens, you know? some real serious shit and the last couple, like last six months. Mm. And then I got injured. Um, I, I, I dislocated my knee, tore my MCL, Ooh. tore my ACL, fractured Ooh, my brother. bone. And I'm still in a cast right now waiting for surgery. And so I let, I let Instagram just go, you know, I kind of like, I don't have the energy mentally. I don't yeah. have that space. I, you know, I have, I have four kids and my wife's carrying such a load right now. and I, I feel guilty and I need to try to do whatever I can to help out. So I kind of like just let that simmer and I was kind of tired of the effort I had to put into Instagram at the time. And I lost about a thousand followers in that month, yeah. you know? And so I've had to kind of like pick it back up. And it's also like, it, it reiterates to me like, Hey, like you don't sell books unless your Instagram's doing, if there's, if there's not something driving the tracks, I'm not selling my books. Um, so I had to jump back on it and start connecting people again and start making momentum. And now I see my book sales are going back up and I'm, and it just reiterates like, Hey, like I don't have a name that just sells a book for the sake of selling books. People have to see me enough to feel like they are, they want to, you know, so I kind of can't let that momentum die as long as I'm writing, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, though, cause everything's, everything's relative to what stage you're at. You know, I'm, I'm at the point where I've got one book out working on the second one and I'm just, looking forward to seeing, like you said, you know, that first book will hit and it'll go, but then the second book hits and then the first book comes back and then the yeah. person. So, you know, for you to be like, well, you know, this one only got 200 likes. I'm like, bitch, if I could get anything to get 200 likes. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody. It is time to end this one, but later this week, I will have part two of our conversation, which is just about as long as part one, which is why I split it up in the first place. Anyway, Mike Salt, great stuff, more to come. Please check out the show notes, go to his website, buy his books, go listen to all of his appearances and do all of it. Just do it all. Get salty with it. All right, folks, I'll see you on the next one. Mwah!
Yum, 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 yum. Weird, right?